friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Hey, would you uh, would you turn in your Bibles tonight? Let's let's take a let's take a peek here at a, a few verses, especially. Uh, let's start with Genesis chapter one, and let's uh, let's look at verse twenty seven. Put your finger on that a little bit, and uh, but the real text tonight is going to be Proverbs twenty three seven. And they're just short verses. I'll read them both. How about that? That sound pretty good? All right. So I'm going to go ahead and read Proverbs 23, verse 7 first, okay? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are, and you are becoming. How many of you know there's a phrase we use to describe uh, this life on earth, that we are human beings, beings. So we're in the constant uh, state of becoming. That's why we use the word beings. We're not human doings or human done. Hello, come on. We're not done. We're becoming, right? And so we want to become like Christ. We want to become like the image of God. We call that in Latin, and it's a big theological term, but we call that the imago, the image, day, God. We are made in the image of God to be and do like God here on earth. And that glorifies God. How many of you know that we don't self-define? Hello. God has already defined us. I don't have to figure out, listen, people say this all the time. Well, you know what? I'm just taking, I'm just taking a couple of years to find myself. I don't need to find myself. I need to find God. And better said, I need to know that God has found me. And I need, to, I need to learn from God who He's created me and who He wants me to be. This is so important because when you get to the New Testament, and tonight we're going to be talking about imagination, okay? But leave that over here for a second. We get to the New Testament, Paul helps us out. He says in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, he says, I urge you, brethren, by God's mercy, present your lives, your body, a living sacrifice. That's holy and acceptable unto Him. It's only your reasonable service don't be conformed to the pattern or the image of this world. In other words, there's two types of people. There are people that are looking to the world to define them. They're looking to the pattern of the world, and they're looking to conform to that pattern. They're getting on social media, or they're getting out there in the world, and they're saying, this is who I am compared to the friends I run with, compared to the people I'm with. But they're not, they're not asking God who they are. They're not letting God answer that question. Paul continues with the next verse. He says, but be transformed. So don't be conformed, but be transformed. There's two types of people, conformists and people that are transformists. People, not transformers, that's a little bit different. Optimus Prime, okay, you don't even know that reference. All right. Autobots, assemble. assemble. How many of you... (laughs) Okay, we have some fun. But how many of you know that we are to be transformed by what? Your mind has to be renewed if you want to be on that side. If you want God defining who you are, your mind isn't going to do that automatically. Your mind has to be transformed. It says transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll have three things. Then you'll be able to know what's the perfect, or the good, perfect will of God. Those things are available to you once your mind is transformed, not conformed, right? So if you're thinking in your heart, according to 
and conforming to the pattern of this world, that could be anything. Let me give you an example. When I was uh, substitute teaching for a while, I substitute taught a, a, a bunch of furries. Now, furries are people that dress up like cats and dogs and say they're cats and dogs. And this is what I would tell them. You see, it was in their imagination, right, to be someone or something, and they began to, they began to think that way, so they began to act that way. So this is what I told them. Since you're self-identifying as an animal, I'm self-identifying as a 62-year-old retiree. I want you to go to work right now and start paying for my Social Security. Amen? No takers on that, of course. Because that doesn't fit reality, right? Reality is God has ordained for me to work right now. God wants me to work. And work is blessed. Did you know back in creation, God never cursed work? He cursed the ground. And never cursed man. He cursed the ground. And he cursed the serpent. He did not curse your work. We have purpose. We live with intentionality towards what God has called us to be. And we set our imagination towards that. So I need to think in my heart what God's word says about me. Then go from there. Amen? Now let's go to the creation narrative and let's go to what God says about creating man. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 it says, So God created man in whose image? An image, something in the world. Did, did, watch this. Did, did God say, Adam, who would you like to be? Who would you, how would you like to how would you like to be identified? Do you want to be identified as this? Do you want to be called this? Do you want to be that? It says God created man in his image, right? Now, the word created there is very interesting in Hebrew. There's actually three words for creation. All three of them are used in the creation narrative, but this one in particular is Yatsar. Yay, or it's Y A T S A R. Yatsar. God created man, Yatsar, in his image. It, the Hebrew word here, created, is like a painting. It's like God came and painted, or God came and sculpted. It is an artistic word. And that's where we're going to be going tonight with imagination. Because your imagination is artistic too. That's part of the image of God. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to explain to you what I believe the image of God is. And I, and I do not believe that the image of God is just male or female. It's both. The Bible says that in the image of God, he created them, both male and female. So it's not just a gender, really. It's not a body. How many of you know what anthropomorphism is? Anthropomorphism is creating God in our image rather than seeing that we're created in his. So in other words, God doesn't just have a body. You know, he has a body in the fact that there is a son. That's a part of the Trinity. But how many of you know it's not about hands and feet and fingers and toes and, you know, it's not all of that this little piggy went to the market, this little piggy stayed home. Come on. You can see in the Hebrew verbs what the image of God is. When God created, there's some things that God did. In the Hebrew verbs that he used, he communicated, he spoke something out of nothing. You were the only part of God's creation that can communicate like God does. Hello. Now, God does it out of nothing. You communicate something into something else. It could be what God has said, 
or it could be a lie. Did, did I give you a disclaimer that this could be deep tonight? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. I apologize. Okay? So God communicates. We communicate. You might argue, well, pastor, so do dogs and whales and everything else. Not like we do. You see, when mankind communicates, we define. What do we know about Adam when he was created and he communicated? He named every single animal prophetically. Watch this. He even named Eve. God did not name Eve. Hello? Hello? Adam did. When he called her Eve, Eve means mother of all living. Nobody ever had a baby. There were no babies. What do you mean mother? Never seen a mother before. What is a mother? How many of you know that's something, calling something that is not as though it is? Hello? So they were given, Adam was given in his Imago Dei an ability to name. It is so important that what comes out of your mouth is biblically correct. You want to be in agreement. If you say something over your children and you call them a name their entire life, it better line up with Scripture or they will prophetically begin to live their life into what you call them. Do I have any help? Do I, does anybody agree with this tonight? If you call them a fool or stupid, if you say that, they will not only believe it, they will become that. Hello? Right? It's so important that we understand communication is part of the image of God and that we use our imagination connected with Scripture, not with what we want to say at the moment emotionally. Because just like Adam, how many of you know Eve was named mother of all living and she became that? Hello? What if he'd have called her something else? Now we got a problem, don't we? And we've got a whole world today that is calling themselves and calling others something that God has not said. Our imagination responds to seed. The seed is the truth of the word of God or the seed is the lie that comes from the enemy. You and I cannot produce our own word. We can only receive that word. Can I tell you that your imagination is like a womb? Hello? Your imagination is like a womb. Women are called, when they become uh, mothers or on the way to motherhood, womb and womb man. Man with a womb. In other words, they have the capacity to take seed. Am I teaching anybody anything? They have the capacity to conceive, take that to your brain here for a second, your heart, your imagination. Your imagination has the capacity to receive seed, whether it be a lie or truth, conceive it, grow it to term, produce it, birth it, and now you, see, you experience, you manifest what it is that you've believed. There are people that truly believe that God does not love them. That is not true. But for them, they believe that. Guess what? They will live their entire lives thinking that God doesn't. And there's nothing you and I can do about that. They have received a lie. There are people that believe and truly understand that God has grace and love for them. Those people will live into that. Because they've received that seed inside of them. 
and now it multiplies. Let me go a little bit farther here so that we can understand this a little bit better. Communication is part of the Imago Dei. Creative ability is part of the Imago Dei. Blessing, you know you can bless, just like God has blessed. What is blessing in the Old Testament? Baruch, Baruch. Uh, you might hear some Jewish males sometimes, they'll say, Baruch Eta Adonai. That is, blessed be the Lord, okay? Or Baruch Eta Hashem Adonai. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The reason why Jewish males say Hashem is because they don't believe that you should ever really use the name of the Lord. So they just use the name, the word name as name, okay? But it's deeper than that. You see, later at the Tower of Babel, when everyone had a wicked imagination, the Bible says their every thought was in their imagination was wicked. It says they sought to make a name for themselves, right? So in their imaginations and all their wicked imaginations, they sought to make a name for themselves instead of proclaiming the name that is above all names. Come on, right? So the idea here is you can use your imagination to serve you, or you can use your imagination to serve God. The end of imagination is worship. And that's where we'll land the plane tonight. That's the end of proper imagination. And so we can bless just like God blesses. We can bless someone, and I don't mean kazuntite. I don't mean just because they sneezed. All right? When you bless someone, when you speak a blessing over someone, just like the prophets did and just like the priests did, you were asking for them to have multiplied presence of God and multiplied resources to be what God has called them to be. You're not blessing them to be anything besides what God has called and ordained them to be. So, those are all part of the Imago Dei. There isn't anything else in creation that can do that. That's the part of you that's just like God. And so, if you're going to communicate and bless, if you're going to be creative, don't you think that your heart should be thinking right in the first place. By the way, can I just ask you for a second? What do you, where do we get heart thinking? Hearts don't think, they beat. What heart are we talking about here? Are we talking about just the mind? Or is there a spiritual part of you and I that through imagination can see things that are possible through God? That everyone else says is impossible, but because of God's word, we see is possible. That is something that most Christians don't use at all. That is something that most people don't use at all. Let me tell you why. We live in a world today in a culture that does not support you having your own imagination. You see, Hollywood wants to use their imagination and they want you to shut off your imagination and they just want you to sit there and watch what their imagination has come up with. And so we all live our lives into screens, never actually birthing anything new that is of ourselves from God, but only regurgitating what we see from the world around us. Those that use their imagination in the world today, even the lost people know this, those that use their imagination and use it well are the most prosperous. There are doctors that have invented things by their imagination that have saved lives. There are titans of industry that by their imagination have come up with solutions to problems that have made themselves 
billionaires. There are actors, there are musicians, there are artists that through their imagination have done great things. The question isn't uh, that whether or not imagination will bless you, it will. The question is, in the end, will it also curse you? Because if it's not of the Lord, how many of you know, and it's not directed towards God, how many of you know, that the only thing that will last is God's word and what's built on God's word. What did Jesus say about that? In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 50, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, what? My word will never pass, or in another translation, will remain. What Jesus has said will last longer than heaven. What Jesus has said will last longer than the earth. The billions that some people have made in making the imagination centered on themselves and their creativity centered on themselves as worship will not last. Only what's built upon Christ and his word will last. So I want you to think about how your imagination can be renewed. Ephesians 4.23 says, be renewed, watch this, in the spirit of your minds right? Psalms 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. In other words, there's something coming in, right? And that's the seed and that seed comes in. And once it meets the embryo or the egg of my imagination, it begins to produce either life or death. Ephesians 5.26, speaking of Christ, said Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to sanctify, cleansing her, by the washing of the water through the word. In other words, it's God's word that cleanses our imagination and our minds. Once the word is received, the imagination then begins to see prophetic pictures. These prophetic pictures can influence your life. I'm going to test this with you right now. So we'll see if you're awake tonight or not. I'll give you a few seconds to wake back up. Here we are. Hi. Hello. Good. Dog didn't say speak. Simon didn't say speak. I just said dog. Your mind, your mind thought cat, right? And then you spoke cat. Isn't that interesting? You're way ahead of the message. I think you got it already, right? <laughs> I said dog. You saw a cat? Why? Why? Because you've got one at home, right? But I said dog, right? What did your mind say? Whatever's in there. You saw your dog. Yeah, but I'm going to talk about my dog. Dog. If you've never seen my dog, you have no idea. Right? You have no possible way. Let me ask you, when I say dog, whether you've seen cat or your dog or something else, did you see a picture? You didn't see a word, did you? Your imagination doesn't work with words. That's not the order. Let me tell you the order of things. It works with pictures, then words, right? So you want to make sure that you are not just taking in the scriptures. I want to teach you something about scriptures. Hopefully we'll get it done tonight. If not, it'll be next week. But when you read a promise in the word of God, you need to manage in it. You've never done that. You just read it. But can you actually read it and say, I see myself. 
I see myself being that person. It says that I'm supposed to have speech that is edifying. I see myself saying words to people that are encouraging. I see myself speaking words to people that are life. You say, Pastor, I don't do that. Well, why not? Don't you know that the Old Testament says over and over again, Salah? Do you know what Salah means? Huh? No, that's amen. Or make it so. Salah means to meditate. Stop, rest, meditate. So when you read that in the Psalms, it says, wait, stop, meditate on it. What do you think meditate on it means? I don't mean Eastern meditation. I don't mean, I don't, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about that goofy stuff where you sit and cross your legs and arm yourself to death. Uh, okay. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the word of God just said this. I believe. Well, let me ask you something. Why are you believing something that you can't see? Didn't I teach you last week that believing is seen? Not seeing is believing. Did anybody get that last week? Believing is seeing. Not seeing is believing. Well, God, you got to show me first. That's not belief. That's not even faith. Right? So when you see something in the scripture, why don't you just say, I see myself walking that way, acting that way, being that way. And then why don't you say it then? You say, well, I don't want to do those type of things. I feel a little funny. Really? Well, let me take you to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Perhaps you have heard this verse before. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart, well, there's that belief in heart again, that God has raised him from the dead, you'll what? Be saved. So you do that with salvation, but nothing else. You don't see yourself free from addiction? You, you'll always be an addict if you always see yourself as one. You don't see yourself free from hate and anger? You're not willing to say, I am not a hateful person, I'm a loving person? Well, th- let me tell you something. If you're not willing to see it, and you're not willing to believe it, and you're not willing to say it, then it won't change. How do you think this works in this world? Your imagination is powerful, and the devil is ready to use it. All day long, he's ready to play pictures inside your mind. And, you know, pictures like, I know when I get back to work what I'm going to tell them. And I can see myself telling my boss off. But you don't see in your imagination the picture of you being fired. That's the thing that just is the kicker. (laughs) Hello? Right? We have an imagination, but the only time we pull it out and use it is usually... When it's the seed of a lie. And God says, why don't you start seeing and believing and saying what my word has said? And be that person. Can I tell you something? I'm going to help you out with something right now. This ain't in my notes or anything else. But here's how I grew up. I grew up in an environment of drugs. I grew up in, not to go into, into long dissertation about that. I grew up in an environment of drugs. I took drugs. I sold drugs. That was my, that was my life. All right, now I'm pastoring, but that's the way I grew up, okay? There was a day that I got saved. How many of you know, when I got saved, I had to start saying things differently. And not only did I get saved, but God also called me to the ministry. So I had to start, people wouldn't agree. My outside world would not line up with what I was saying and believing and seeing that God had told me. Are you with me? People would come along and go, you're going to be a pastor you're a dopehead. They'd say that in church. 
It's just great that you've gotten saved, but you burnt, you're burnt out. You've burned yourself out, man. I had to see myself going to school. I had to see myself becoming a pastor. I had to say it. I had to confess it. I had to believe it because God's word said it was mine. I had to, people weren't convinced. I didn't care. I had to live myself into the picture of what God had given me. And that's called vision. That's what vision is. Churches have vision statements, but people don't. People should have vision statements. I could see where God was calling me, even though it was completely opposite than the place I had come from. And I had to order my life just like that picture. And when I did and it lined up with God's word, I seen the reality of it. I'm living it right now. I'm doing right now what God gave me 30 plus years ago when I was just a kid. When he said, you're not a dopehead, you're a pastor. And I had to start living that way and thinking that way and seeing that way. I had to start hanging out with pastors. I had to start hanging around people in the ministry. And I had to start to learn to become what it was that God was showing me. Do you see? Eve didn't tell Adam, oh no, I'm not the mother of all living. I've never seen anybody give birth before. Be quiet, Adam. (laughs) Think about this. Hush, eat a bowl of shut it stew, dude. We've never seen anybody give birth to anybody before. She lived into what she was called prophetically. And that's the problem. People don't think they can do that by the power of God's spirit and his word. And you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can. Well, all I've ever been is someone that struggled with depression. You keep saying that and you will. You keep believing that and seeing that for yourself and you will. If you start saying, no, I'm a person of joy. I'm going to have joy in my life and I'm going to share that with people And even though sometimes I feel this way, I'm not too concerned about feelings. I'm going to live by faith. That's the difference. So if if you get a word from somebody else and that word comes along and it doesn't line up with what God's word has told you, you stick to the picture that God has given you. I said dog, but I didn't say Kingston. Right? If I say Kingston and I start to explain him, you start to get a picture in your mind of what that is. But until I explain it, I can't tell you otherwise. Nobody can. You have got to get from God what he is speaking to your heart from his word. And you can. Now I want to show you how this works in scripture here, okay? Because something happened in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. You see, they sent some spies into the promised land. Remember, it's a place flowing with milk and honey. It is an awesome place. They just come out of the, they just come out of the desert, man. They, they, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have grapes that are like almost breaking the rod that you carry them out with and there's milk and there's honey and this is going to be awesome. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Then the 10 spies come back and how, how many of you know, watch this, or the 12 come back. How many of you know 10 of them have a bad report? They say something. Who remembers what it is they say to everybody? They're giants in that land. Okay. Sons of the Anak. That means, um, If you were to take the heaviest weight possible that could be carried, put it on a chain, put it around your neck, that's what Anak means. Okay? 
That's a heavy burden. God has called us to take on giants. We'll never be able to do it. So they came back, and this is what they told the people. What did they say that they were like in the giant's eyes? What did they say? We are like grasshoppers in whose eyes? In their eyes. Who told you you were a grasshopper? Who told you that? God? No. What do grasshoppers do? Yeah. They're in the grass and they hop. Right? So you know what they did with God's promise for them? They stayed as small as the grass and they hopped away. I wonder how many people today have been promised something from God and instead of going in and getting it, they see themselves, come on, this is where the imagination can get, can get you cursed, man. They see themselves as the enemy sees them, not as God sees them. And so they hop away from the goodness of God when they could have so much more. So much more. Whole churches have hopped away from the promises of God. There are whole churches today that don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit whatsoever. Those are grasshopper churches. Tobacco-spitting churches. That's what they are. They just hop away from God's blessings. Well, what are we going to do? That seems like a giant. How would, what, how would we react if the Holy Spirit broke loose in a service and people actually experienced the power of God and experienced life? How would we ever control that? You don't control it. It's the Spirit right well we don't know what we're gonna do with that man that sounds a little shaky and scary that's shady to me no that sounds like a life hello i want to show you how this how this can work differently here's what the lord told joshua you remember joshua was one of those spies remember joshua and caleb yeah different heart was found in caleb Woohoo! all right joshua 1a the lord said hey when you go in and take the land you go in and lead my people because you know all those people that have bad imaginations they can't use their imagination for what god has said you know they're all dead now (laughs) how many of you know that's a blessing it's a blessing to do a funeral for your old life it's a blessing that part of you is dead hello it's dead the part of you that would not believe god for greater things should die have a funeral for him right i love that verse of scripture moses is dead that's what that verse says right at the end of Deuteronomy. Moses is dead. Now you, Joshua, right? And in Joshua 1.8, the book of the law, the Lord says this, shall not depart. Where from? Shall not depart out of your, your mouth. And where's the other factor here? You shall meditate on it. Meditate. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Day and night that you must observe to do according to all that is written therein. Here's the results. That your way would be prosperous. And you will have good success. Prosperous, good success. Based upon what I say and what I meditate. Come on, church. I can show you a direct correlation to you missing the good things, the blessings, and the prosperous things of God. And I can show you where you're missing them at. You're missing them right here at your mouth. And right here in your imagination of your heart. You can't conceive it for you. And you definitely won't give God praise for it in advance. So it is yours, but you won't have it. You won't manifest it. So God said, here's how it works. You make sure that you confess my word and meditate on my word. Your way is going to be prosperous and you'll have good success. 
Let me make this practical for you. Let me make this real practical for you. Einstein said this, imagination is better than knowledge. So one of the smartest guys that ever lived said, you think it's all about knowledge. And Einstein, no. <laughs> he said, no. Imagination is better than knowledge. What did he mean? You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have imagination, you can't create or do anything with it. Right? We had plenty of knowledge from the knowledge of, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Where did it get us? Where we're at right now. The idea isn't just more knowledge. The idea is your imagination based upon the wisdom and the knowledge of God's word. What are you going to do with God's word? What are you going to do next with God's word? Do you see the possibility? Do you see the opportunities? So, some of you are in, in this room and it's like, you know what? I struggled for something for years and years and years. I finally have been set free from it. What now? Now you have a ministry. You have a ministry now. That's what you have. Can you, can you imagine that? That God, okay. Where does imagination come from? It comes from God. Why did God give it to us? Because God has an imagination. You and I have an imagination because God has an imagination. We're the result of God's imagination. Before you existed here in the material, you existed in God's imagination. God thought of Penny long before Penny was ever born. God knew for such a time as this that Penny would need to be born in here. She's born a while ago. We won't say how long ago, but <laughs> sorry. But God knew. And God had an imagination and create in his, in his mind. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You were, in, you were God's imagination. And that's what it means. You break that word down, imagination. Image, image. You're in God's image. You represent that part of him that is in his imagination. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Long before you were born, long before you even drew breath, God said, listen, son, let's get together. And let's, inside of you, son, I'm going to create, and I'm going to create a Don. I'm going to create an Alana. I'm going to create a Rick. And I'm going to perform in them. I'm going to make a masterpiece of their life. And I'm going to come at it like an artist, like a painter. And I'm going to create that person to solve this problem on the earth. And they're going to reflect your image, son. How about that? And this is before the foundations of the earth were even laid god has an imagination and you're it right so <laughs> adam being filled with the ruah of god right god came in a very intimate moment the bible says that he, that he put breath into adam in the hebrew there is the ruah uh is the spirit of god not not and not air the spirit of god so the spirit of god came out of the father through the Son, and then into Adam. Very intimate. More, more, like, uh, more like we do CPR today. That's a better idea of it in the Hebrew. There was a very intimate moment where God took his spirit and put it into Adam. And the Bible says he became a living soul. He became creative, just like his creator. And here's the issue. What are you creating? Blessings or curses? Lies or truth? Every day of your life, you're made to create. 
you're made to create something. Not like God, something out of nothing, but something from something. What will you create? What will you do with the years you have left? You say, Pastor, I'm already retired. You're thinking wrong. You're not in heaven yet. You're not retired. You're still alive. You still draw breath. You're vertical. You're supposed to do something with this time in your life. Hello? Huh. Do I want to talk about the eyes? Okay, can I, can I share the eye part next week and just close? Oh, there's like three yeses. Okay, good. All right. 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Gird up the loins of your mind. Can I just get a... We're all adults, right? You know where your loins are in Scripture? Everybody here has got loins. Okay? Loins. All right? So, what's Peter saying? A loin is productive part. Peter's saying, gird up reproductive part of your mind. There's a part of your mind that's going to reproduce. I've been talking about it all night. Okay? It sits there like an egg. Your imagination, your mind, your heart sits there like an egg, and it waits for seed. And seeds are going to come from the Lord, or it's going to come from the enemy, Satan. And once that seed gets inside that egg, it multiplies. It grows. It's conception. It conceives. And then it's waiting to be born. Thoughts are baby things. If you continue on something for too long, you will birth it. Right? Whether you believe it or not, you're both right. You understand that. You're, you're producing in your life your own experience right now. You say, everybody hates me only because you aren't friendly. <laughs> you won't agree with that. But I'm telling you, what's happening out here isn't the issue. What's happening in here... <laughs> This is everything Jesus taught and preached, man. He talked about the kingdom of the heart. Oh, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. We got to deal with Caesar and we got to deal with Rome. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I got to deal with your own wicked hearts. And your own imaginations are set the wrong direction. Why did the flood come? What did the Bible say just before the flood? God looked and saw mankind that they were wicked. And every imagination of their you not read that in scripture? They were wicked in every imagination of their heart. That's what brought the flood. What brings curse into your life? Wicked imaginations. What brings blessing into your life? Godly imaginations built on God's word. Let me explain. If you don't think you become what you think, let me ask you this. What did Jesus mean about looking at a woman with lust in your heart? You've committed adultery with her already. Have you ever stopped and thought about Jesus was equating imagination with becoming? This is why it's so important. It's not just icky and sinful and perverted. It's because you will, be, you will begin to act out. I got no help tonight. You'll begin to become the person that you're imagining. And God says, I don't want you to become that person because your life is lived from the inside out. Your, your heart is who you really are. And the actions are going to line up with your heart. And what you experience is going to line up with your heart. So Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. There's a reproductive part of your imagination. You walk around all day long and you tell everybody how depressed you are. You're reproducing what the devil has said. I feel like i got to believe this for you tonight. I can't. I can't do it that way. 
I want to tell you about a guy. So we close tonight. I want to tell you about. No, I'm not going to tell you about him. I'll tell you about tell you about that next week. How about that? For your, how about this? For for some homework next week, read Exodus 31, verses one through seven. It's a guy in the Old Testament that was filled with the Holy Spirit. Moses had the Holy Spirit come upon him. Everybody else in the whole in, in the Old Testament had the Holy Spirit come upon them. Moses, even in Numbers uh, chapter 11, verse 14, um, the, the Holy Spirit came upon Moses. And then the Bible says in verse 25, then the Lord came down in a cloud, spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the spirit that was on, say on, that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they didn't do it again. So the spirit would come upon people in the Old Testament. But this one guy, the Holy Spirit filled. It's the only time in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit filled somebody. You thought the Holy Spirit only filled people when we got to the book of Acts. There is one person in the Bible, long before Acts, where the Holy Spirit filled them. You didn't write the scripture down. You didn't write it down. Here it is. Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 7. Why do I want you to read this? Because this guy was so full of the Holy Ghost that he was used by God to, by craftsmanship and by his imagination, being led of the Spirit to make the ark, the temple, the tabernacle, all the drapes. He, he carved everything, laid everything out in gold. God gave him, through his imagination, the ability to build an entire area of worship. <laughs> yeah, because that's what it's all about. It wasn't worship of him. It was worship of the one true God. Now, I want to leave you with this thought. It's a couple of, it's a couple of pictures. I want to show them to you. I want to, this is something I learned from my daughter. She's an art teacher. She went to art, went to art school. Oh, she's going to make me mad. She's going to get mad. She's going to make me pay her money for that. She went to art school. That shouldn't be a joke in my home. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome because she's an art teacher now. I want to I want to show you um, an example of here uh, of of how creativity and imagination can be used by the Holy Spirit towards uh, the end of worship. That's the point. It's not making a name for yourself. It's making a name for God. Okay. So during uh, the medieval period, how many of you are familiar with that? I'm not talking about I'm not talking about you. You had you had a, a supper at medi- medieval times. And somebody rode around on a horse and knocked another guy. Okay, you don't know about medieval times, okay? I've done that a few times in Chicago. Medieval period. The medieval period, mid means middle. Uh, Evil, not evil in the sense of the devil, but evil is a time period. It means period. Mid period, right? This is what art was all about. This is uh, what you'll see on your left, okay? Medieval art, that is the Madonna and child. Medieval art was all about God. The center of art was about God. If you looked at a picture during that time, that center of that painting would tell a message of God. If you can see up there, um, there is, that's supposed to be Mary. She's holding a very European-looking Jesus. How about that? Uh, he is looking what direction? It, yeah, it's not, it, there's, only two, there's only two directions. Which one's he looking to? Okay, he's looking to his right, okay, right? 
That's the place of favor. Yes? No? Are you with me? Okay. Um, These are saints that are around him. They are all looking to worship him, give him honor. Uh, I want you to see, how many of you know anything about perspective in art? You've heard of perspective? Yes? Let me talk to you about perspective. Here's what perspective is. Perspective is depth, right? You're supposed to be able to see certain shapes, and there should be depth to the... During the medieval time for art, there was no perspective. They didn't... Notice how flat that is. There's no depth to it at all, right? Look at the colors. Um, Although the colors look a little brighter, they're just mostly just plain one or two or three colors used in a particular area. Not a lot of... Uh, very drab, not a lot of creativity there. Let, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. During this time, there were two bubonic, uh, there was a black plague and the bubonic plague that came through. People were dying in droves. People were starving. The government during that time was very, very oppressive. People had to fight for <laughs> kings and, and feudal battles and you had no spoil from the war. You, even the land that you did farm, you were a peasant, and you had to pay uh, the king or the, that lived in a castle just to farm his land. It was a depressing time. But it was a time of hope in Jesus. Okay? Let's go to the other side. Um, the other side here, who is that? Mona Lisa, right? Um... Who's the center now of art? Man. This is the Renaissance period. This is just before um, we get to the Enlightenment period, then the modern period. We're in today what's called the postmodern period, okay? We're, we're modernists, postmodernists. I think we've gone a little bit farther here now that technology has brought us into AI. But the, the idea, we're in this postmodern period. But art at this juncture is not about God anymore. Are times better? Yes. During the Renaissance, they were much better. Just before the Enlightenment, in fact, a lot of great things came out of this time and the Enlightenment. Uh, in the Enlightenment, we had the Gutenberg Press. We, we got books. Everybody got books, right? Everybody had a copy of the Bible. See that thing that you barely read once maybe a week, right? People used to pay an entire two or three years wages just to have one. Just to have a page or two was a really big deal right? All came out of this time. But did we praise God or lift up God or use our imagination and our creativity to glorify God? No. We started beginning to think we're the answer. Come on. But we do have depth. I mean, look at the depth. We can see a landscape. We can see interesting colors. There's more creativity. Here's all I'm asking. Here's all I'm asking. Why not use depth and creativity? Why not use all of that beauty that we're here creating and make God the center again. That's all I'm asking. Maybe that's the point. Maybe the point of all creativity is worship. And the, the point of creativity and worship is who are you going to worship? Are you going to worship what you think you are? Are you going to make a name for yourself? Are you going to be famous? How many likes did you get this week in social media? How many people looked at your page? You see what I'm saying here? Right? Or are you looking to make God the center of your creativity? Are you, is God the center of what you do artistically? Every one of you has a creative ability. 
every single one of you. Some of you with metal. Some of you with, some of you can paint. Some of you can make music. Some of you can, you're, you're creative with a meal. Some of you, you can sit down with your children and you can, you can lullaby them to sleep. You can speak hope and life into them. All of these things are creative. But what's the center of it? Is it you or is it Pamela?